Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes Eight. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Hughes Eight and Kate will break it down for you now. So, inquiring minds want to know. You were recently at a haunted hotel. Oh, yeah. How was the haunting? Uh, well, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good so far. So we were, we we heard about the story of the woman that haunts our room. Her name was Theodora. Mm -hmm. She really likes to be very organized. She was the doctor's assistant, so she was very orderly, neat, tidy back in the 30s. Was she, in fact, an orderly? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but You used a word. But uh, she will, if you leave like a bunch of coins out, she'll like stack them up on your bedside table. Ooh. She'll put your shoes underneath the bed, you know, like Aww. next. But if she doesn't like you, she will put your suitcase right by the door, except when you're trying to get into your room, the suitcase is blocking <laughs> your way. Right? Passive aggressive ghosts are my favorite kinds of ghosts. So we're hearing all these stories uh, on our tour, but then also as we're trying to sleep, there's a tour at like 10, 30 at night right outside our door. Oh, wait, seriously? Yeah, we're like, um, can we go to sleep now, please? <laughs> really? Okay, and then that's interesting. The ceiling started to leak. Um, see, that's the least scary thing in the world because we all deal with that. Well, I'm, I'm already kind of on nerves because we had caught a picture of something behind me while I was in the morgue. Yeah, I did see that picture. Right. Should we put that on the Instagram? Sure. It's a good picture, yeah. Okay. All right. We, I don't know. It looks like a hand. I don't know. It, it was, does look like a hand. It was creepy. Yeah. So I'm a little on edge. You know, I'm hearing these stories outside my door. The ceiling is leaking. You're right, because it's thunder and lightning yes, outside, right? Yes. yes. So it was, Freaky weather. It was It was worth the money, I would say. All right. Yeah. But, but no one woke you in the night? No one stacked your coins? We were sure to be very respectful of the place. Okay. We asked her, please do not come with us when we leave. Oh, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Wait, what's that in the room with us now? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, it seemed appropriate for me to ask you this since it is when this airs the beginning of October. My favorite time yeah, of year. favorite time of year. And what is this podcast that we do, Kate? It's all about Halloween and ghosts. Only this month Ooh. and not today. Aww. And uh, You didn't bring a Halloween I book? I did not because... Let's see. Look here. Look, look, I look, I only look. get four chances. I've got some primo Halloween fare for you, but I... You know how many Tuesdays... No, is it we're Mondays? Mondays. How many Mondays <laughs> are in this month? Many Mondays, Kate. No, there's no. There are. There's like five of them, and I cannot provide five books for you. But I, I want, cannot do five. I want more. I will give you more. I have two already <laughs> in my in my hot little hand at work. Okay. But um, but I need to get you more, and I'm not doing five. Five is my limit. So today is not okay a Halloween day. But uh, wait, who are you? Me, Kate, and me, Betsy. Sister of the disappointed Kate. And, <laughs> I'm just uh, and now. yes, and this is Fusain Kate. It is not Halloween extravaganza 24 7, 365 days a year. I wish it was. I know you do. <laughs> but no, we talk about picture books and whether they're good or bad. So, what did you bring? I did actually bring you a book that involves people. Um, well, you know how Halloween involves putting on costumes? Yeah. This involves putting on clothing. 
clothing. Clothing! Like people do every day. Well, but the clothing they're putting on is not the kind of clothing most people would put on every day. Ah. Okay. Ah. And, and maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they'll play you a scary song. Uh, I'll just pull it out of my bag. The Philharmonic gets dressed. Yes, by Carla Cuskin. Illustrated by Mark Simont. Sure. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a book that is very popular. It, it inspired a sequel, which involved a football team getting dressed. I'm not making this up. And uh, yeah, it's it's considered by many bit of a classic here so oh yeah okay oh yeah so uh it's not spooky but why don't you read that book okay okay while kate does her read let's talk about carla cuskin carla cuskin and specifically this book just to begin i would like to say that this book was not unnoticed in its day true it did not win a caldecott or a very rare newberry for a picture book but it did win some other things. It actually was a finalist for the National Book Awards in 1983. And please understand, the National Book Awards does not tend to go to picture books, even though it could be open to them. So that is a very great honor. It was also a reading rainbow book. And Kirkus was quite taken with it because they said, what is quite wonderful about this is that it's neither jokey nor artsy. The very notion of 105 diverse, scattered people dressing to assemble and play a symphony is attuned to children's curiosity and to the nature of music performance. It has stayed in print, I should say, thanks in large part to the largesse of symphonies nationwide. Go ahead, Google it sometime. You will find that on many of the sites that it's listed are, for some reason, symphonies websites. That's kind of fun. But my favorite homage to Carla Cuskin actually comes from the blog Book Ant. Way back in 2009, uh, after she had died, Kate Coombs had wrote the following about Carla. She said, Cuskin is probably best known as a poet or as a writer of poetic picture books. I think her most memorable work in recent years might be The Philharmonic Gets Dressed, a book that looks at a concert by showing the musicians getting ready, illustrated by Mark Simon, 1982. Did you know that Cuskin was also an illustrator? Her first book, Roar and More, evolved from her senior art project at Yale University, 1956, revised and republished in 1990. According to her website, Cuskin wrote and illustrated 28 picture books illustrated 15 books for other writers, and wrote 18 that were illustrated by other artists. But quirky humor, not elegiac sadness, is the best tone to use when talking about Carla Cuskin. Her poems show us the wry yet childlike way she looked at the world. Like Shel Silverstein, Carla Cuskin was a little subversive and more than a little off the wall. You're back. I am. It, it took longer than I expected, I must say. Oh. I, I didn't realize this was such a long book. It's not long. It's just got a lot of details. It's in, got a lot of details. In simple illustrations, which Indeed. I appreciate. Yeah, I like that too. You know how, weren't you going to be collecting dedications in the beginning? I like, thought about that. I never was systematic about it, but uh, yeah. Well, Is there a good one here? It's not so much a dedication. It's just, it, it just says, this began with Charlie's tale. And tail, T-A-I-L, is, I, I was going to ask you is how in that was quotation spelled. marks. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So... <laughs> I'm thinking many bad things that I probably shouldn't say, so... I, I, yeah. have, a, I have a theory as to who Charlie is. Ooh. And he comes later in the book. Inter- okay. Mm. So... Ooh, I like that. I like you, how you, you front-ended the whole You just remember that. Yeah. that. All right, Charlie's Tale. Okay. Bookmarking it. Uh, this book does your favorite thing in the entire world. Oh no, it doesn't split up the sentences between two pages. Sure does. I hate that. Oh. I hate this so much. It's the little engine that could syndrome. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And in, in this one, it's, you know, it's talking about it's Friday night. Actually, it's almost. I mean, that's a beautiful it's, sunset. It's almost Friday night. Yeah. Uh, it's getting dark inside. Lights are coming on in houses. <gasps> And apartment buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Is that supposed to be the Twin Towers? But there's three of them, so no, maybe it's, not. It's just a cityscape. Right, okay. I mean, it kind of looks like the Brooklyn Bridge, but all right. And in this Philharmonic, there is 105 people, but only 12% of them are women. I wonder if that was an accurate like, number for the time. You are a writer. You can change that. <laughs> you can have it be 50-50. Does she you... literally give a percentage? She says there are 92 men and 13 women. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that it's sucks. really sad. Yeah, this, this Why? is the way of the world, kids. Just get used to it. Why would yeah. the author choose to make it more, like, I, you had an opportunity. Yeah, you did. And you, you wasted you it. You could have had a 50-50 full harmonic. Yep, but nope, we are... No one would have bought that. We are starting with all these people are either taking showers or taking baths. So now we have uh, people getting ready, except it says, and I don't understand this, they use big towels and little towels and a lot of dusting powder. What is dusting powder? Like baby powder? I guess. Why I've are they ever heard of dusting? This feels like remember when we did that Amelia Bedelia like way back in the uh-huh. day, and there was some sort of reference that sounds similar to this. But yeah. It, yeah. What the heck is dust? I mean, it must be baby powder, right? Like talcum powder. Talcum powder. Why? Like Why are they using a lot of it? I mean, they're musicians. What's going on? I know you use. There's only one woman here in the illustrations that's covering her entire body with it. Oh, that's so. Weird. I mean, I know you would use it for like if like rosin on your bow. I have no idea. I just utterly thought... baffling. Yeah, it was strange, huh? So right, so they are showered and they or bathed. They are shaved and toweled and dusted and dusted. well dusted. <laughs> and then they start putting on their underwear. So they start with the men. Mm-hmm. The men are either, uh, you know, wearing boxers or briefs and undershirts, though there is one guy who wears long sleeved, long legged underwear. <laughs> yes, he does. You go, you, you odd little man. You. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe he's Mormon. But then it's I read, red. but it's red. Yeah. Yeah, no. There is a guy up at the very, very top who it looks like his boxers have split in half. Oh, honey, get yourself a new pair of boxers. Right? You can afford it. You work for the symphony. And then they start putting on uh, their socks. Mm -hmm. And I learned something that uh, silk socks, if they have decorations, they're called clocks. What? We already have something that clocks means. That's very confusing. Come up with any other consonant to put at the start. That I, I looked, W-A-C-K. Oh, I looked so it up. Blocks. That's what they're called. And there's also some guys here who wear leg garters to keep their long socks from falling down, which 
I was like, because oh, elastic wasn't developed yet by the early eighties. Yeah, okay. well, you've, you've got you've got the black guy here wearing the the leg garters. You got the white guy here with one long sock and one short sock. Okay, that's so... that. I understand that. I feel for that guy. That's me. That's me. That is. I you've know. got one guy with a hole in the toe. Yep. You've got one guy who can't find black socks at all. He's got so, some very colorful socks, though. He should be proud of his collection. I like the variety here. Yeah, and I also like that there actually is somebody who's black, considering how few women we have. At least we have people who are not white. Yeah, yeah. You, and with the women, there is an, there is one Asian woman, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, now that we are on to the 13 women here, who, it says, put on different kinds of complicated underwear. Well, I am looking at... Oh my lord, what what is that? Let me tell you what the complicated underwear consists of. All right. Underpants. Yeah. Because they're so complicated. Pantyhose or stockings. Mm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up there, mister. Whoa. (laughs) Um, Petticoats or slips and brassieres. Brassieres, indeed. But I'm looking at the person who seems to have attached to her longish underwear. I assume those are, it's a garter belt, sort of, like, but it's built into the underwear? Yeah, it's like she's wearing Spanx. It's with, like Spanx with garter yeah. tops. Yeah, that's complicated. Yeah. Well, it's complicated to me. I'm like, well, how the heck does that work, lady? All right. But she's going to attach her stockings to Also, the... why is her bra on backwards? She seems <laughs> because, to have a lot of issues. She's, no, because she's putting the clasp together first, and then she's going to spin it around. You know, like when you can't get the clasp on because it's behind your back? How hard is this? Is he complicated underwear? It, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do lo- like, though, that this is the first kid's book you've given me that shows a woman putting a bra on. That's true. I can't think of a single other. If you, gentle listener, can think of another picture book we've done that involved putting bras on, <laughs> you just let us know. at gmail.com. And then we get to the part where I want to put out a poll. Okay. We're back to the men, right? Right. With the men, there are 40, (laughs) it says specifically, there are 45 men who stand up to put their pants on. Okay. But there are 47 men who sit down to put on their pants. Because they're mad men. Because I want to put out a poll on Instagram and ask people, when you put your pants on, do you do it standing up? Or do you do it sitting down? Uh, yeah, I want to know the answers, especially from the men folk, because this seems like a man thing. Right, specifically men. This must be. Because women don't wear pants. No, we wear <laughs> pantyhose, therefore we cannot wear <laughs> pants, because pantyhose would not fit underneath pants, apparently. Yeah, yes. I just thought that was interesting. We should put That's it to a vote. so strange. Okay. Yeah. And another thing that I... This book is teaching me all sorts of things. Uh, there is one particular man who wears a cummerbund good for him well that it's the conductor oh however, bad for him <laughs> however i looked at the word cummerbund mm-hmm. c-u-m-m-e-r-b-u-n-d and okay. i was like wait a minute i thought it was supposed to be c-u-m-b-e-r-b-u-n-d i would have spelled it that way myself yeah while merriam webster's dictionary does list cummerbund as an alternative spelling this is purely because of how often it is misspelled and pronounced. Really? The correct spelling is actually cummerbund. If someone said cummerbund, I would think they were... I said cummerbund and you didn't notice. That's true. You did it fast enough. I if did. If you had said it slowly, like, how about that cummerbund? Cummerbund. It just sounds wrong. It sounds very wrong. <laughs> I don't think that should be the word. I think cummerbund is more appropriate. And then you get to the women. Uh, the women wear either skirts... Or 
tops with, you know, like sweaters or blouses or dresses. One woman wears a black jumper over a black shirt. Good for you. But bracelets are not allowed because they would get in the way when they're working. And then they immediately show a picture of a woman with bracelets (laughs) trying to play the cello and her bracelet is coming onto the 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 bow. bow. Yeah. But, okay. Proof positive that Mark Simon didn't read this book. Okay. (laughs) This is the page of my favorite illustrations. Okay. Again, I really appreciate the honesty (laughs) here because now we're talking about the men putting on the ties. Yeah, I like the one in the center on the left-hand page. Yes. Yes. Some men uh, can put their bow ties on in front of a mirror. Some can do them just staring out into space. Mm -hmm. Some have pre-made bow ties. uh, Clip-ons? Yeah, yeah. Unless you are... Well, there's two guys in particular. One of them has a crooked bow tie. The other one has a tie that you have to make the bow tie. He has given up and is slumped in a chair thinking to himself, I I am an idiot. Why? Why did I not get the pre-made bow tie, the clip-on? I never should have left Sally. Sally was the only one who was ever able to tie my tie. He's just given up. Unless, and then there's the conductor who has a big white tie. Yeah, he does. Like, it says, like, a white bat. Like a, that's So good. we can tie yeah. it back to Halloween, Betsy. There you go. Back to Halloween we go. <laughs> because the, and his coat has two tails that it says yeah. it divides into two, looking like uh, black beetle wings. Oh, very nice. Very yeah. yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Halloween. <laughs> Sure. And uh, they all put on their outerwear. They're getting ready to go outside and head over to the auditorium. Okay. They say goodbye to their mothers, fathers, oh, I see. They husbands, do have... wives, friends, they... children's dogs, birds, a cat, whoever is staying at home. And there is one dog with the saddest puppy dog eyes. Oh, and I think yeah. that this is Charlie from the dedication. <laughs> I see. And Charlie is saying, why would you leave me? Exactly. Why would you leave me? Then we come to the most adult part of this book. Oh, what? You see all the different ways that people are traveling to the auditorium. Some mm. are taking cabs or cars or subways or buses. There's one guy, I think he he must have a trombone, I'm guessing. Um, he's on the subway. There's a bunch of graffiti and there's yeah. graffiti over an ad that says, I sit 12 hours a day. The last thing I need is hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the graffiti over the hemorrhoid medication ad. Um, that would be a wonderful quiz question that we're going to have to remember for the future. In which of the books that we have done, is there an ad for hemorrhoid cream? Yep. <laughs> yes, that's nice. <laughs> the conductor is coming out of his apartments and he has a driver that takes him to the auditorium. Now, the apartments that he's coming out of are called the Aeolian Towers. I didn't know what Aeolian. Aeolian. Aeolian Towers. I didn't know what that meant. I thought it might have been some sort of like hidden clue or something. Apparently it means born, deposited, produced, or eroded by the wind. So as a conductor... I guess he's like the wind. I guess. Or I the know. towers are going to collapse any second now. Uh, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I like his uh, his self-assurance. It reminds me of uh, the star of the movie Tar, which is all about a conductor. Oh. Well, now they're all at the auditorium. They've taken off their winter gear. They're getting their instruments out of their cases. 
they're getting in they're getting on stage um mostly everyone has is bringing their instrument with them the only ones that aren't there's a harpist who obviously isn't going to carry her harp onto the stage and then there's two percussionists who have like the big old cymbals and a gong and xylophone and all that good stuff they're just uh, gonna walk to their instruments remember how our mom forbid us from ever taking the cello no oh yeah she forbid us because uh she didn't want to have to be the one to lug it to and from and she's I, right I that think, would have happened i think it was yeah. just you oh I, never... I guess i i guess there was no fear with you that no you would choose the cello. you should have done the cello just out of rebellion no i did the oboe and that was a bad idea yeah well it's easier than a cello <laughs> so uh everyone gets on stage they get to their seats uh the conductor comes up he stands on his podium he holds onto a baton which is french for stick <laughs> it says it in the text does it really it says it is called a baton which is french for stick oh all right and then learn something new every day as the philharmonic hall lights up with the six chandeliers sparkling six the fancy the hall is as long as a red velvet football field filled with music really apparently right. sure and then everyone starts playing and then that's now now they're at work their work is to play beautifully the end i love how it does not in the least go through the instruments like most symphony... oh, it does. oh does it does it explain yeah. what they do i i, I kind of i just skipped over oh, it says, me it says uh, you know it's the music it's a two-page spread violas violins cellos double basses flutes a piccolo bassoons clarinets oboes french horns trumpets trombones a tuba harp drums cymbals chimes and one thin silver triangle did you say viola isn't it viola violas viola violas you said viola yeah isn't viola davis like didn't she clone herself in the (laughs) no Okay. Moving on. Uh, yeah, no, as a symphony book goes, it's remarkable that this does not linger longer than on the instruments and explain which sound each one makes and all that. It really, the title is They Get Dressed. That's exactly what they do. Yep. They get dressed. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, there's not much to report about this book except that it is sold, much to my amusement, on many of fine symphonies' website. I bet. Ratings time. Well, it's very straightforward. The title explains exactly what the book is about. I like the honesty of the illustrations, the variety, and the diversity in the ways to get dressed. I'm saddened that there weren't more women represented in this book. It could have been 50-50, but the, but the author purposefully chose not to for some reason. I think at the time that would have been the right ratio, and she wanted to just make it as authentic as possible, but that was... I she could have you. inspired... That, that was the wrong choice. She could have inspired more little girls to want to be part of the symphony. I yeah. Don't know. Anyway, um, I like the little details, even though they're not overly complicated illustrations. Um, I guess it's rereadable since folks get dressed every day. So, <laughs> they sure do. Um, I guess I give it a six. It's not my favorite, but it's entertaining. Yeah. No, I like it very much. And I think um, I'm trying, I'm racking my brain to figure out if we've done a Mark Samant book before. I thought he might have done The Dead Bird. He didn't do The Dead Bird. That was Remy Shirley. So, no, we, we never did a, a Tree is Nice or any of his books that he's pretty much known for. So, this may be our first Mark Samant, which is a. Uh, yeah, that's heady. That's good. It's certainly our first Carla Cuskin. I like it very much. I I love just, I, I love process. Even if the process is how do people put on pants, which apparently this book is incapable of answering that question because it comes up with a crazy Because now theory. we have to put it to a vote. Now we have to put it to a vote. So thanks, book. 
Um, but yeah, I love the art. I love the simplicity of the writing. I, I like the whole dang thing. I'm, I'm a 6.5. Uh, you know. Okay, so with our it's scores a, combined, it's a, it's a 6.25. It's yeah. above a 5, so it's a classic. It's a 2 over the line classic. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, that took a little while, so I had a whole bunch of letters. I'm going to reduce them to 2. Okay. Um, so this will be a two-part series. These letters. Ooh. The first part of the series is it's just going. We're going to play a point counterpoint with the tenth good thing about Barney. Oh. Some people very fond of that book. Some people do not care for it. Interesting. All right, all right. So here's the first one. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Stephanie, uh, the third sister, who says, "Hello, sisters. Maybe you've already gotten this response in droves to the tenth great thing about Barney. Good thing." But my husband, a math guy, but also the top political historian in our house due to him growing up in D.C., posited that copies of the book are in the GWB library. Remember, the George uh-huh. Bush library has copies. On account of the fact that W. and Laura Bush had a White House dog named Barney. Don't like that man's politics at all, but it's a cute dog. <laughs> and then she includes a picture of the dog. Okay, that is a, that is a possible theory, which is very good. Counterpoint uh, to the book. Lark wrote in as our, well. Our, our, our third cousin. Cousin, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. 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 And just and just to make it clear, people, if you write us a bunch of letters, you're gonna we're gonna make you part of the family. Apparently, we're, we're just gonna, gonna make like you a bestow. sister or a cousin. So yeah, we got, yeah. We got a lot of uh, relations to give. <laughs> so there you go. So Lark says, I disagree strongly. If I had read this book as a child, I would have been devastated and cried my eyes out. I don't want my cat. To be worm food. <laughs> it's the only viewerst I don't like. Wow, okay. Yeah, so there you go. Fair there enough, we go. fair enough. And then uh, we'll have another two responses uh, on our next uh, our next episode. So okay. stay tuned, people, as more people either like or do not like uh, the last book we did. Okay. So there we go. Grown Up Things We Like. You go first. Okay. Um, you know, I've mentioned a bunch of these before, but I think I need to be systematic. So... I have kids. We like to, after dinner, sometimes watch a show together. It can be difficult, even with the huge number of television programming available to us at our fingertips, to find out what is good to watch. So, if you are a parent like me, and you have this issue, and you're like, what is there on the old TV that I could watch with my family that works? I'm going to give you right now just the list of all the shows that we have watched that we enjoy very much as a family, and if you have suggestions... Please let us know, because we are actually um, at loose ends right now. We, we're still watching one of these, but the rest of them we've completely finished. So, here's what we like to watch. Holiday Baking Championship, but it's not Christmas yet, so we can't do that. Lego Masters. Is It Cake? The Good Place. Dragon Prince. Old Twilight Zone episodes. The Floor is Lava. And Marriage or Mortgage. Uh, we're still working our way through the old Twilight Zone episodes, um, because there's a bagazillion of them. But everything else uh, we have watched, we tried to watch Encore, hosted by Kirsten Bell, uh, but Disney Plus has removed it from the roster. So thanks, Disney Plus. Now we can't watch that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just got back from a very uh, interesting road trip. Indeed. We went to Louisville, St. Louis, Eureka Springs, and Bentonville, Arkansas, and we did new and fun things in each city. So here are the things you need to do if you go to any of these cities. Mm-hmm. If you go to Louisville, check out Churchill Downs as they're getting ready for their 150th anniversary. Then eat Derby Pie, which is delicious. What is it? It's like a pecan pie brownie. Ooh, a pecan pie brownie? 
Yeah. I would eat that. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. Um, and then go to the Slugger Museum, even if you're not into baseball. It's really interesting. Um, huh. In St. Louis, go to the Laumier, I don't know, L-A-U-M-E-I-E-R. Sure. Uh, the Sculpture Park, that's what it's called, mm. and you get to see a giant eyeball. Mm. Uh, then go to the aquarium, and there's a part where you can talk to, like, a cartoon otter, and it talks back to you. Do it. Because if you do, and no one else does, then you get a free backstage look at the sharks. Nice! Because you're interacting with the with the team, and, and they appreciate that. Aww, so do. do that. And then go on the Ferris wheel. And this is this is near St. Louis Union Station, where you can see my penguinologist, his work. Uh, at night, there are different video light shows that occur every hour on the ceiling of Union Station. You'll see like a Beatles show. You'll see um, like the history of St. Louis. You'll see, there's like different shows every hour. So highly recommend it. Cool. In Eureka Springs, go to the Crescent Hotel, which is where we stayed. They have really good pizza on the top floor. Oh. And ghosts. And in Bentonville, go to the Listening Forest at night. Uh, it's this really cool, interactive, uh, light and sound outdoor uh, thing that you can inter- interact with. It's very cool. And it then, during the day, go to the Crystal Bridges Museum, which I didn't know they house Rosie the Riveter, the Norman Rockwell painting. Oh, that's cool. So that's where it is, in case nice. you were wondering. I did not know. Yeah. Oh. So that's all the stuff. That's a lot of stuff. And now I'm tired. <laughs> I understand that. You deserve some sleep. Thank you. Very good. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So I haven't done a spooky book this week. I suppose I could do a spooky book next week. Yay! It's fine. We and if people be... have spooky book recommendations. Yeah, if we haven't already done them, though, because we've done a lot of them. We have. There are also a lot we can do. I just found one of my favorites uh, came out, I'm very happy to say, in 2003, and we can finally do it. Oh, it has the 20-year rule. The 20-year rule allows us to do it, maybe even in the next episode. So Nice. Until I reveal what the spooky book is, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM, or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and the one who gets Drew Atienza addressed is Drew Atienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird.